This podcast is part of the Power of Podcasting Network. Find it at powerofpodcasting.com. Today on episode number 671 of the School of Podcasting, we're going to talk about thinking outside the box. We're going to examine, do I need to trademark my podcast to save my name? And we're talking podcasting honeymoons. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting Sense 2005. I am your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast consultant, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, I help you massage your message. I help you tackle the technology. I help you face your fears. We're talking some legal stuff today. That'll make you wet your pants. And I help you flatten the learning curve of podcasting so that you can create a podcast that greatly enhances the lives of everyone who hears it. There's a new spin on that. My website is schoolofpodcasting.com. Use the coupon code LISTENER. That's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R when you sign up for either a monthly or yearly subscription. And normally I start off with a because of my podcast story. We're going to be hearing from Gordon Firemark here in a second, and he's going to share one with you. But I want to talk about thinking outside the box because what inspired this episode is I put a a Facebook post out that said, working for Libsyn, I do tech support. Libsyn is the oldest, biggest, largest, biggest, baddest podcast media hosting company on the planet. Use the coupon code SOPFREE to get a free month at Libsyn. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. It's short for liberated syndication. And I will see people that they're like, hey, I'm getting ready to launch a show. I'm not in Apple iTunes yet or Apple podcast or whatever they're looking at. And I will look for their podcast and it's not there yet, but you know what is there Four other podcasts with the exact same name. And I'm thinking, Hmm, somebody didn't do a search to see if the name of your show is already in use. And I think one of the funniest examples of this is there are one, two, three, four, five, six shows with the name outside the box. And why I find that funny is the people are not really thinking outside the box to come up with a new name because you might come up with something better. I was listening to a show the other day and one of the guests said, hey, am I allowed to swear on this show? And the person, Eric Hunley on the uh, Unstructured podcast, and Eric said, fine. And the guy just launched into F this and S and GD and blah, blah. And I was like, it would have really been interesting if Eric had said no, because then the person would have had to think outside the box. And I'm not a prude. You want to drop an F bomb in your show? That's fine. But I just thought it was interesting. Like I can't communicate if I can't say the F word. I thought that was interesting. And so you might come up with a different name. And and since we're talking about the name of your show, my test is this. If you're a regular listener, you've probably heard this. Go up to somebody who is your target audience and say, I'm getting ready to start a podcast. It's called blank. What do you think the show is about? And if they say, oh, I bet that's about blank and the blanks match, their blank matches your blank. I think that's a good name. If not, eh, if you confuse, you lose. And so that's my little test for picking a name. That's why I have really confusing names like School of Podcasting, Logical Weight Loss, Ask the Podcast Coach, you know, Your Podcast Consultant. These are names of my shows, and most people know what they are by doing that. So 
you, know, you might want to do a little research. And if you already have a podcast and you've got your name and you're like, hmm, should I have a trademark for that? Well, one of the cool things about going to podcast events is you get to meet really cool people and you get to network. And one of the people I met, man, probably 10 years ago is Gordon Firemark. You can find him at firemark.com. He's an entertainment lawyer. And so all that copyright stuff and, you know, all the Gordon is the man to talk to. And what's great about this is by going to these events, Gordon met all these podcasters. And so anytime somebody says, hey, am I allowed to pay, uh, play copyrighted music in my show? We all kind of go, no, no, it doesn't matter if it's 10 seconds. Nope. Doesn't matter if you're making money. Nope, 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 nope. And eventually we'll just go, Gordon. And Gordon will come in and go, no, you can't. And then if somebody goes, what about the, the uh, release, Gordon? What about should I, Gordon? He is just the podcast lawyer dude. That's his official title. If you give it a business card from Gordon, it'll say, Gordon Firemark. Uh, <laughs> what did I say? Podcast lawyer dude. And uh, you can find him at firemark.com. We'll have more things that we mentioned, more resources. And I'll have links, all of this out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 671. But based on a Facebook post, now a podcast episode, this is myself and Gordon Firemark talking about podcast trademarks. And I'll have a little bit of clue about something we talk about at the end of the interview. Dave, it's great to be back on. It's nice to, always nice to connect with you at the conferences and things, but here we are. Today, I wanted to bring you on to talk about trademarks. Like, okay, I've started my podcast. I've got this name. And what if somebody comes along and starts another podcast called The School of Podcasting? What do I do? And so uh, we're going to talk a little bit about trademarks. So I guess the first thing we should talk about is like, well, what the heck is a trademark? Well, let me start by by actually quickly talking about copyright and the difference between copyright and trademark so that everybody understands that. Got it. A copyright is is the right to con- well, the, the right to limit who may make copies of your content essentially. It does not protect names or ideas or facts or or um, you know brands and logos and things like that. That's what trademark deals with. A trademark is a distinctive word or symbol or combination of words or a logo or something that is used when affixed to goods or services as a way of identifying the source, the author, or the, or the I should say the, the owner, the creator of those goods or services. So when people think school of podcasting, they go, ah, oh, that's Dave's show. They talk entertainment law update. That's Gordon's show. Now what's interesting is both of those are very descriptive titles. And so I said, it has to be a distinctive word, phrase, term, so on and so forth. So that's on, that puts us on a spectrum. The trademark office here in the U.S. will register some things that are distinctive, and they you know look at it and just make a, a value judgment on is it distinctive. But when it's a descriptive or generic kind of a term, they generally reject the application. But there's an exception if you've been using it for a while in commerce. So both you and I satisfy that test. You've been doing the show for years, as have I. So even though we have these descriptive terms. Because they've been used long enough for the, the consumers of our shows to start to recognize it, they've essentially acquired distinctiveness. It's called achieving a secondary meaning in the mind of the consumer. So it is possible for us to have trademark protection, even though our titles are not inherently distinctive. So if somebody started a show today, and not that this would even be available, but they decided to name it The Real Estate Podcast, that's not distinct. 
Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Very descriptive. Yeah. Not likely to get a registration. But yeah. Five years in, if they're still the only game in town and, and uh, everybody gets it, that, that, that this is them, then yeah, probably can. Why would we want to do this? What does this stop us from? Like, what, what headache does this avoid? Okay. So I was talking about trademark registration. The fact of it is you get trademark rights from using the, the brand or the mark in interstate commerce. So you can't have a registration until you have a show or something that you're promoting using that brand. Some of the good news is that in this area, first in time is generally considered to be first among the rights holders. So if I come out with my show and someone else follows me two years in, I still have a right to say to them, hey, stop it. I was here first. The registration helps me accomplish that faster and easier by essentially proving that I own it. I've, I've established to the government's satisfaction that I'm the right, the rightful owner of this brand. So when I wave my registration in that other person's face, they don't have to look any further to decide, oh yeah, I better stop. And so that's the value. Is that a case then if I have an actual trademark instead of going to, let's say the podcaster, although that would be a good place to start. Yeah. If they say, never mind, you know, uh, I don't care. I could then go to say maybe their media host. I don't know what the policy is inside each media host. It's not like DMCA where it's an automatic mechanism for taking it down. But yeah, most of the media hosts, I know, I know Apple in their directory, if you have a registered trademark, there's, they say they give you deference in these situations and they will delist competing shows. I haven't seen that happen in practice, but that's my understanding that it, it will, they will do that. What the whole purpose of trademarks is to protect the consumers against getting confused in the marketplace. So the test is, is this title confusingly similar with, or is this mark confusingly similar to something else that that's already existing that was there first? That way, if they're looking for Miracle Whip and then somebody else comes up with something called Miracle Whip and it's some sort of pie topping, yeah, you don't want people all confused because I put pie topping in the tartar sauce. That is not going to be good. <laughs> now, that's interesting you raise that because it raises the question about the classes of goods and services that trademarks can be registered in. Now, not so much an issue for those of us in podcasting, but there are different goods and services. So... It might be, although I think food food stuff's generally going to be in one category, but mayonnaise versus a shoe polish <laughs> might be in different classes of goods. And so we can register for mayonnaise. But if I want to develop a, a, a Miracle Whip brand shoe polish, leaving aside the fact that Miracle Whip is a famous mark, so there's other issues around there, right. but uh, I might be able to market a shoe polish called Miracle Whip. Interesting. Yeah, because it's not going to be confused. Nobody's going to say, oh, that must be coming from the same people who make Miracle Whip spread. <laughs> I'm going to spread some shoe polish on this. It'll be <laughs> tasty. I, I guess the idea is for the Joshmo podcast, is this something they definitely should have? Or if they've got the budget, it's really not a bad idea? Or what's where does this kind of fall into? Obviously, we need a microphone. Do I need a trademark? I think it's it's not on the on the list of top line items you must have in order to launch your podcast because again as I said you have to use the mark in commerce for a while at least you know a little bit in order to acquire the rights in the first place the trademark office won't register it until it's in use you can you can file an intend to use thing and then you have to come back and say yes I did use it and provide specimens and proof and all that most of the time I wouldn't recommend that for podcasters you've got better things to spend your time and money on like making good content and making sure you're in it for the long haul. So when you get past maybe that 
first 10 or 15 episodes or a year's worth of whatever season, maybe it's time, you know, and you know, you're sticking around and you're worried if you're concerned that other people are going to come in and confuse people as to source, then I'd say that's a good time to do it. The cost isn't outrageous. I mean, it's not cheap. You know, hiring lawyers to do things for you is never trivial and you can do it yourself if you think you can handle a, a legally designed government website, to, you know, but you know, the, the point is that, yeah, it's a few hundred dollars to about $1,500 is sort of the range for a single mark. Yikes. Yes. And some of that's going to the government and some of that's going to the people who help you. So, yeah. So how long do you think you, you'd kind of mentioned maybe a year, maybe a season, any idea like how long I should, should go before, so I can have enough under my belt. So they go, okay, yeah, this guy's definitely using this. So. It's not about them making that conclusion. You know, two episodes will be enough to prove use in commerce for the, for the government's purposes. I'm just saying, if you're going to spend money on something like this, you want to be sure you're investing in something that's worthwhile that you're going to make use of. And this, this branding, you know, it is branding. And I I help a lot of podcasters do their trademarks because uh, they want to, they want to know that when they put out t-shirts or when they, you know, do the next thing. And that's by the way, a different class of goods. So if you're registering for t-shirts, it's another filing fee and the whole routine. You know, you, they want to know that there's nobody else going to come out with something that's going to create this confusion. Yeah. So uh, you might've heard about our, our good friend um, JLD with his uh, entrepreneur on fire had a little trouble with the publishers of entrepreneur magazine at one point. And so you've noticed that he, uh, and I don't know how it was resolved and I'm speaking completely off the top of my head, but you notice that he usually refers to it as EO, EO fire. nowadays. I know a number of other uh, podcasters I have spoken to about their experience using the word entrepreneur in their trademark, in their uh, podcast titles, because entrepreneur magazine owns a trademark for the word entrepreneur. That's interesting because in media area. Yeah. yeah, I guess that's it. It's because it's media. Cause on one hand you're going, well, that's a magazine and this is a podcast, but it's media. So that's similar it's, enough. It's all in class, class 41, which deals with entertainment and educational materials services. You know, so that's the, that's the situation that happens when you, do what you said at the beginning of the episode where you fail to do a search before you start your show just to find out what's going on. Now they might not have found entrepreneur eats cake. Google Google search. You want to do your due diligence when you choose titles. Well, that would be the other thing maybe we should talk about is what should we do when we're, I mean, cause obviously you can do a Google search, but that's, that's a place to start. But what else, if I really want to look for a title, would be something I could do just so I can avoid this kind of hassle in the future. Well, cer- certainly do a Google search and and treat that as the initial knockout search. If you encounter that there's a TV show or a radio show or magazine or book series or something like that, that uses a very similar phrase or title, then move on, find another title. If you don't encounter it there, I would say the next stage would be to do it, the same kind of searching in iTunes and some other podcast directories, you know, pick three and yeah. run, run searches there. Same thing maybe on Stitcher and Spotify as well, just to see if you see what you find there. Again, if you don't find anything, then you're probably going to be okay. But the U S patent and trademark office has a searchable database. And I would say, jump in there and search on the, the, the words of your title, you know, an exact match search. And you, you may be surprised at what you find. You want to make sure that there's nobody registered in the same class of goods and services with a live registration. Cause these, registrations expire if you don't renew them. So if somebody has abandoned their brand, then you're, it's again, free to use. 
one of the things I'm hearing in a lot of the forums on, on the Facebook and the web and stuff is that, you know, well, they haven't published an episode in, in a year. I wouldn't necessarily go and say that deems it abandoned. It means they haven't published an episode in a year, but when it's been three or four years, then I'd say, yeah, that starts to look like abandonment. And the trademark office considers three years an abandonment. If you haven't used the mark really, you know, been, if you haven't been using the mark in commerce for that period of time, they will deem it abandoned. Interesting. And of course, this is just one of the topics that you probably cover in, uh, if you didn't know, Gordon has a book and talk about a great uh, website, podcastlawbook.com. It doesn't get easier than that to remember. And uh, what else do you cover in that book? Well, we talk about copyrights and we talk about, you know, sort of basic journalistic principles about not defaming people. You know, I, I lay out some of the rules about why you want to get a release signed by your guests when they come on the show and why you want to respect people's privacy and, and how you might inadvertently invade somebody's privacy by revealing private information about them or something like that. Uh, not talking trash about, but you know, that kind of stuff, the, all the media law stuff that folks who go to journalism school learn in, in their classes. And those of us who launch podcasts without that background um, have to figure out our own way. So also talk about the uh, uh, rules for affiliate disclosures and endorsements and those kinds, all the FTC rules there. And uh, a little bit on, to, on the area of business licenses and taxes and those kinds of things as well. So it's really, a, I think, is a fairly comprehensive guide to the law you need to know when you're blogging or podcasting and, and uh, being aware of what's going on. Yeah, I know you helped me when uh, there was a company that had kind of done some shady stuff. And I got online and said, these guys are a bunch of liars. You, you shouldn't do any business with them. And they were very <laughs> polite. And they said... Before we release the hounds on you, we're going to give you a, a an option here to kind of maybe reword that just a little bit. I remember you said you can I can say this is what I hap this is what I did and this is what I happened. Like you treat it like a report. Yeah. And then then I did this and this happened and then I did this, but I cannot say these guys are a bunch of liars and you should never do business. <laughs> <laughs> right, you know, that's defamation. Yes. That is the that is I think the textbook definition of well, it has to be false for it to be defamation. Yeah. But when it's something like that, you were expressing your opinion and that's, you know, that's okay. But you also probably don't want to devote the kinds of resources that uh, would be required to defending a lawsuit, even a frivolous lawsuit from somebody who doesn't like what you wrote about them or said about them. So the more you couch it in terms of this is my opinion and this is what happened and, and you know, keep it as factual as possible, the better. People we used to talk about, I know you've been on the show before and we talked about playing music in your podcast and mm. people love to say things like, well, I'll just use fair use. And I'm like, that is the defense you use when you go to court and go, going to court is never fun. So, um, right. well, if somebody wants to get a trademark, what's, and they want to use you, what's, what's the steps they have to take? Well, go to my website, firemark.com slash trademarks, plural trademarks. And that will take you to a landing page that talks about the process and, and, and how we work together and, and what's involved. And you'll, you'll be invited to set an appointment with me to talk by the phone and we get the questionnaire done and I lay it all out for you. My, my, uh, my fee, as I said, is, is uh, in the neighborhood of about 1500 bucks for a, a trademark registration, sometimes a little less, uh, hopefully a little less for a single class. And we can, if we can do it quickly and easily, just reach out and I can, I'm happy to help out. If you do want to try to do it yourself, uh, you know, I don't want to discourage people from that. I'll tell you. Uh, go to uspto.gov and uh, click on trademarks and pull down to the uh, TEAS. It's the Trademark Electronic Application System. 
And uh, if you can navigate it and figure it out, I wish you the best. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you that a lot of the people that I help with trademark stuff, I'm helping them because they did it themselves and it didn't work right. And so then we have to respond with legal arguments to the examining attorneys at the trademark office. And it prolongs the process and drives the costs up. And uh, there are also those those uh, online do-it-yourself kinds of uh, services uh, that have words like Zoom and Rocket in their name. And <laughs> my my and you know look, they do a pretty good job with plain vanilla situations. That's the whole point. My feeling is that if you were walking down a street and you discovered a a, a kiosk with a a box at about five and a half feet off the ground and a hole in the bottom of the box. And it says on the front, it says haircuts, $1 insert head here. Uh, <laughs> would you put your head in there? You know, if you've got a perfectly shaped head, you'd probably come out with a decent haircut, but you could come out missing an ear. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that's my analogy to the rocket zooms of the world. <laughs> well, how long does the process typically take? So it is a long time consuming process. We file the application Usually we can do that within a few days after our conversation, once we have all the material we need and, and what you need in order to file a register an application for registration is all of obviously the vital details, names, addresses, that kind of stuff, what the brand is, what kinds of goods and services, and then specimens, some kind of evidence, usually photos or screenshots and those kinds of things demonstrating that it is actually out there in commerce for people. So oftentimes your iTunes store page with showing a few episodes is one of the specimens we use. Once you file all that and pay the fees, the process typically takes a couple of months before you hear anything from the trademark office, which is usually just in sort of an acknowledgement. We got it and we're, we're processing it and so on. Between three and six months is when they will re- usually respond if they have any concerns or questions, if they're you know, preliminarily rejecting the application. That's your opportunity to reply with either legal arguments or sometimes just to tweak the wording of the, of the application in certain ways. Uh, and then it takes them another few months, usually, to uh, to continue the processing. And then what happens is they publish the mark in what's called the uh, the Trademark Gazette, which is a, an official publication allowing for the public to comment and oppose the mark. Assuming no opposition, after a month of publication, they will uh, schedule it to issue the registration. So all told, it takes between 9 and 12 months before you get a certificate back. I was going to say, and it sounds like, uh, and then they do this, and then it goes to that, and then you're like, meanwhile, you're going, okay, can I, yeah. put, can I little put a little TM next to my name yet? So, ah, great, great that you asked that question. You should put a little TM next to it right away before you ever consider application. If you're, if you're choosing something that's pretty distinctive and you want it to be your identifier, your brand, Put the TM next to it. That says, I'm claiming common law, common law ownership rights for this brand. The registration gives you the right to use the little R in a circle. Ah. So that's after you register. So, you know, obviously you don't want to print up millions of copies of anything <laughs> with the TM on it. We're <laughs> waiting for the registration to come through. Right. Uh, that happened to a, a client of mine that was doing some T-shirts and they made a big batch. And then I said, okay, now change it to the R. <laughs> well, let's sell off our inventory first. <laughs> Awesome. Um, well, since you, uh, what is the, I know you do a podcast for lawyers. Yeah. So uh, my, my, I have a bunch of different podcasts, most of which are sort of in dormant pod fade mode at the moment, but I haven't abandoned them. But my primary show is called Entertainment Law Update. It's at entertainmentlawupdate.com. And uh, <laughs> we celebrated our 10 year anniversary of podcasting in April with our April episode. We do a monthly show where my co-host, 
Tamara Bennett, who's a media entertainment lawyer in uh, the Dallas area. She and I get together once a month and talk about uh, all the cases and store news stories that have come up in the entertainment law space in the previous month. And uh, we have a great time doing it. It's fun and, uh, you know, pretty good listenership. It's, I think most of the entertainment lawyers listen to it. So. Nice. Do you have by any chance a because of my podcast story? Yeah, because of my podcast, I have had the opportunity to meet lawyers in the entertainment field and others that I wouldn't have otherwise met just because I'm invited to come to conferences and speak. And it's allowed me to build my business and promote myself as an expert authority in a field that, uh, you know, that is, it's hard to get that positioning. So yeah, I've been very fortunate because of my podcast, I've been able to position myself as an expert and, and gain a tremendous marketing advantage for my private law services. There you go. Good answer, my friend. <laughs> I, and I hadn't even thought about it in advance. <laughs> That's what I was, I was sitting there thinking, I'm like, oh, this is a question I should have given him in advance. You could have thought of it. But uh, off the top of your head, that was awesome. And uh, I want to thank you for coming on. Everybody, you can find, again, find the book at uh, podcastlawbook.com. Find everything else at uh, firemark.com. And then you said you mentioned that uh, briefly we mentioned press releases. Yeah. And what's the website for that? Not press release. Not perhaps, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, guest release. Yeah. yeah. It's at uh, podcastrelease.com. Go ahead and download that, and then I'll start sending you email. <laughs> Excellent. All right, my man. Well, thank you for coming on. Been my pleasure, Dave. It's always great to see you and talk with you, and uh, glad to help out podcasters out there. Thank you, Gordon. Find him at firemark.com. Find everything else at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 671. I said I would mention something, and that is, yeah, you probably noticed his audio was a little distorted. That happens sometimes, not a lot, but uh, this is why you always want to monitor what you're recording. And I'm kind of getting into how the sausage was made. And as I've always said, that's boring. Let's talk about podcast honeymoons. And you're like, ooh, is this like a pod moon? There's a honey pod. What are we coming? No, it's just, I'm going to call it a podcast honeymoon. And I'm bringing this up because sometimes since we're talking about naming your show and when first things going and I'm going to get a podcast, it's going to be so much fun. And you're so excited and you just can't hide it and you move forward with your podcast. And you know, that's probably how you skipped doing a Google search to see if somebody was using your show. So I'm calling this area, the, the podcast honeymoon because, Oh my gosh, it's going to be so much fun. Me and my buddies, we're going to do a podcast and I can't wait. And then, uh, do you remember when, Let's let's switch gears now to to dating. Do you remember when you found that special someone and you're like, holy cow, they just check every box there is to check. Oh, my gosh. And and because you're just so like my mom used to call this Gaga. She's like, oh, you're in the Gaga phase. And this was way before Lady Gaga. But we are, I was like, oh, and this is where you do those funny things. Like you celebrate your one month anniversary. You celebrate the anniversary of anything. Hey, do you know what? It's, it's the, it's been six weeks since our first email. It's been two months since our first phone call. It's been three months since our first date. It's, you know, been a month since our first kiss. All right. You're in that gaga phase and you think about that spouse, that girlfriend, that boyfriend, that significant other all the time. We know that we've all been there. Then you fast forward nine months. And that awesome accent that was so quaint. So let's say I start to date somebody from the UK. And she's like, Dave, you're, you're just splendid. Well, now when I hear that, it's like nails on a chalkboard. I'm like, oh, that accent's driving me crazy, right? Or you've got some, you, you decide to date, date an American and they have all those hard R's, boardwalk. Like, oh, 
nails on a chalkboard. Well, I recently went to watch my now ex-stepson. I actually call him my stepson. I said, I, I divorced your mom. I didn't divorce you. And he graduated from Purdue University with distinction, I might add. And I was there with my ex-wife. And we get along. We're fine because we're not talking about our relationship. We're not talking about money. We're not talking about how to raise the kids. So we can get along great. But my ex-wife, God bless her, is a person who must examine all options before making a decision. So we go downstairs and they have these Purdue t-shirts and one was a hoodie and one was a t-shirt and you had your choices of black or white. And I'm here to tell you, I bet it took her 25 minutes to, to choose. And she's kind of like, Oh yeah, you forgot. This is what I do. And I'm like, Oh, so you have those little things that you just, when you're in the Gaga phase, you're like, no, take as much time as you want. And nine months later, you're like, Oh, would you just pick one? So I say this because when you first start a podcast. You may be thinking about it all the time. You're in the Gaga phase. You're in the podcast honeymoon. You may want to to uh, start thinking about your podcast at work. In fact, you know what? You are thinking about your podcast at work because you're thinking about your podcast all the time. And you may actually be working at your podcast at work. Like you're editing your podcast at work on the clock. I don't really recommend that. And I'm reading Howard Stern's new book called Howard Stern Comes Again. If you're not familiar with Howard Stern, he's one of the most successful radio people of all time. And he talks about how he was obsessed with ratings. And consequently, he said, that's all he thought about. He said, when wherever he was at, he was thinking about the show all the time. And he says, straight up, I was not a great husband. And I definitely was not a great father. And if I were to peel back the curtain, I kind of did the same thing. Uh, while both my ex-wife and I will kind of admit we probably shouldn't gotten married in the first place because we did the whole long distance uh, kind of thing. And then we kind of went from that to getting married. And we're kind of like, we probably should have taken some time to get to know each other a little better. But I would be lying if I didn't say podcasting was a source of tension between myself and my ex-wife. It was not the reason I got divorced because there were plenty of other ones. But I know, like I said, of people who are editing their podcast on the clock at their job. And I'm here to tell you, I'm here to remind you, that is not a good plan. And if it's been a while since you did a job search, before I worked at Libsyn, I taught in the corporate world. And the last teaching job I got, it took me a while to get hired, even though I had decades of experience. I had a really impressive resume and a degree And I was like having a hard time finding somebody to call me back, maybe because of my age. Is it ageist? I don't know. It wasn't fair. But nonetheless, it was easier said than done. And I'm just here to tell you, you might want to recognize, and I'm not here to say, look, the honeymoon phase is bad. I'm just here to say in the same way that you don't normally get married to somebody when you're in that gaga phase. You're like, oh, it's been a month. You're the best thing ever. Let's get married now. That usually is not a great idea, although I'm sure there are exceptions to that rule. But I'm just here to tell you, jumping off a cliff and building the plane on the way down is maybe not the best choice. So be careful if you're in that podcast honeymoon thing because you don't want to lose your job. You don't want to lose your family. You just got to be really, really careful about that. And I'm here to tell you that I have seen people Myself mainly, and I just I had an email from somebody who was just straight up in the Gaga phase, and I'm like, easy there. And I I I just want to be clear. I'm not saying not to follow your passion. I'm just here to say, don't follow your passion 
off a cliff. June is going to be a great month for me. Next weekend, or actually a couple weeks from now, June 8th, I will be at the Utah Podcast Summit. Check it out, utahpodcastsummit.com. Use the coupon code SOP to sign up. If you're on the West Coast, this is a one-day event. I'm looking forward to it. Single track, going to be great, Utah Podcast Summit. Then the following weekend, I'm at WordCamp Kent, explaining to bloggers how they should be podcasting. That's right in my backyard. I'm here in Ohio. Also coming up, hey, if you haven't got it in, the question of the month is, what's your biggest pain in podcasting? You can go over to schoolofpodcasting.com slash contact. You can send it in via SpeakPipe, or if you want to record it, you can click right there and upload it. I need those by Friday, May 24th, as that will be coming out on the 27th. And again, just what's the biggest pain? When you do a podcast, what's the thing that you go, ugh, I got to do that again? Schoolofpodcasting.com slash contact, and that will be out then the following Monday on the 27th. So you'll hear everybody's answers. So don't, be, don't forget to tell us about your podcast if you have one, which I'm assuming since the question is, what's the biggest pain in podcasting? And uh, don't forget to tell us where we can find your website. So that's what's coming in the future. I'm Aaron Glover. I'm a journalist. My podcast is 828Gate. Podcast? That's still a thing? Yeah, it's very much a thing. You should have a listen. Nope. No comment. The last thing I want to point out, if you missed the episode where I talk about the three things that every podcaster needs, and if you, here's the cliff, uh, the cliff Notes version. Number one, you need your health. Number two, you need your attitude. Number three, you need your support. So we just talked about support. And if you don't have one of those three, you will not have success because if you don't have support, that ruins your attitude. If you don't have your health, well, then you don't have your health. And if you don't have your attitude, then you don't feel like doing it. And so you need those three things. And right now, as I talk, I am almost the heaviest I've ever weighed. And I do a show about weight loss. How funny is that? And I have too many things on my plate. So I'm here to tell you that in the future, the School of Podcasting episodes may be just ever so slightly shorter. They may be one topic instead of two or three. And that's because it is summer, and this is typically, when I was younger, I would kind of balloon up in the winter, and then I would ride my bike and do a bunch of things in the summer to lose weight. And that was kind of normal, except the last couple of years, uh, I have not taken the, hey, let's lose weight in the summer thing. And I just got to take care of my health. So it's not, you probably won't even notice it. It's not like I'm going to go to a five minute show, but if you notice that, Hey, they used to be about 40 minutes and now they're about 20. That's what's going on. And if you also notice, I put this at the end of the show. Why? Cause only people that are diehard fans would care about this stuff. I didn't open up with, Hey, welcome to the show. I'm going to make them shorter. Cause I'm fat. That's not really going to be good first impressions. So speaking of good first impressions, I would love to make a first impression with you with my awesome tutorials at the School of Podcasting. Go over to schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. Use the coupon code listener and save on either a monthly or yearly subscription or buy them a la carte. Or if you want, you can hire me for one-on-one consulting. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you real soon next week with another episode of The School of Podcasting. Until then, class is dismissed. Take care and God bless. I will be at WordCamp Kent in Kent, Ohio. 
famous for shooting students? <laughs> Let's not say that, shall we? 